Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders along on a Steelers afternoon drive with him, are we? Alan, what is going on? Smitty, I don't have your hat. I need your hat. Not the one you're wearing right now. The one you have that just has a smiley face on top of it. I feel like that needs to be my job today because uh, there's been some comments on the YouTube feed the last couple weeks. I don't know. Somebody thinks I'm like overly negative or depressed or whatever. Like, first of all, how dare you talk to my therapist about those things? Second of all, like, I am not overly negative. I am negative when y'all are happy. And now I'm going to be happy when y'all are negative. And I'm not happy about the fact that the Steelers looked about as bad as you can possibly look in losing a football game on Sunday. But I mm-hmm. think everything is going to be fine. Like, okay. Th- like, we did not, not nothing catastrophic happened on the field at Agriculture Stadium on Sunday. The Steelers lost a very winnable game. It's a game they should have won. Um, but they have all nothing but games they should win left, basically. And I was pretty sure they weren't going to win them all. And um, if you got to lose one, the NFC team is the one to lose to. And, you know, it's not like what happened on Sunday was some sort of clinical dissection of their scheme by Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals. It was mostly like 
the Steelers were sideshow Bob stepping on the rake over and over again throughout the entire course of the game. Like, they did not lose to the Arizona Cardinals. The Steelers just beat themselves. And there's no reason, when we look at the history of this team, to suspect that will routinely continue. I think they're going to go out there and beat the New England Patriots easily, just like I thought they should have beaten the Arizona Cardinals easily, but I don't see any reason to change my mind. By the way, Vegas agrees with me. Steelers are six-point favorites after losing to the Cardinals. Yeah. Like, I just um, – yeah, maybe their playoff hopes took a little bit of a hit with that loss, but the Browns losing the same day. They're still the five seed. They're still in second place. It's still basically going to come down to beat Baltimore on Week 18 in Baltimore – and you probably win the AFC North. So, like, I, I think I think we're probably making too much out of a bad game. It was a bad game. Uh, but everything's going to be all right. Yeah, well, Alan, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like, every loss this fan base has had up to this point um, has seemingly felt like the sky was falling and it seemed pretty unjustified. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're saying what you're saying and bringing me back to reality a little bit here because I was almost on that side of things after yesterday's game. And it's not so much about the result too. It's another one of those things where it's just like, in general, what a miserable day yesterday was like the weather bring being brought into it as well. The injuries that happen, we will get into that as well. Like just compounding things one on top of another that to me mean more than just a result in the loss column like or it feels like more than just a result in the loss column on the surface I think it feels like is the important part there right like i yeah hey, listen yes as a person that covered the entire kevin stallings era of pit basketball i'm very familiar with how frustrating it is to watch incompetence play out like it sucks i get it like when your own mm-hmm. team is not capable of doing the things that it's setting out to do on a regular basis that's that it's a miserable feeling and it is miserable to watch. It's not fun to cover either, but like the difference is that this team, we know this team is capable of routinely being much better than that. It's not like we should expect like someone on on Twitter today was like, they they just lost to the Cardinals. Anything could happen. Like, well, no, I, I mean, like anything can happen, but it probably won't like, they're still the same team. Like, they probably will win, I don't know, like three or four of their remaining five games. Like, that's that didn't change. Yeah. I, it, does it – so, I remember last week we had a conversation, and this was the first episode back after that game against Cincinnati, and it was like, maybe doesn't change your mind about the season overall, but maybe changes their chances – of advancing to like the second round of the postseason like where are you at with that now after watching this game again you know don't want to get too high or too low on how you feel about the team overall performance but with what they just displayed there taking into consideration maybe some of the injuries and the way that could impact things like does that change how you feel again about this team at all well let's set the injuries to aside for a second um i i think in general the way they played does not like we've known they're capable of that kind of game. Like, we didn't learn anything new. Like, go watch the Houston game. Like, we knew they were capable of this. Like, yeah. I maybe you learn something new if your thought process going into this game was they fired Matt Canada, 
Everything's right with the offense. 400 yards every game. Here we go. They're putting it together. Super Bowl, baby. Like, if you were on that train, then yes, I'm sorry. You you need to be disappointed. Like, the, I, got, I, yeah. I got nothing for you there, okay? But if your thought was, you know, it's the same offense. It's still going to struggle. Like, it's not – like the, there were no magic beans in firing Matt Canada. And I think you can make a very good argument that that was – probably the worst offensive performance of the year. Like I 10 points against the Arizona Cardinals is like scoring like negative five against the Cleveland Browns. Like I, I you can't even like that's the they the Cardinals were 31st in DVOA. And I'm sorry in the EPA per play on defense. Um like yeah. scored 10 against the Browns, 10 against the Cardinals isn't even the same stratosphere. Like it was a bad, bad game. Awful game. Um, but I, again, like I just, there was nothing. If those two teams played again today, I would still bet, pick the Steelers to win. Would yeah. I mean, I, no, I agree. 100%. Right. And like, yeah. Like I wanted to bring up something thing that, like I take away from that game is like all these games where the Steelers were outgained and won. And some people said, Hey, this isn't really very sustainable. What the what the Cardinals did mm-hmm. against the Steelers was you know it's, it's more like uh, better examples like that Ravens game where the Ravens dropped like 100 passes and lost because mostly of their own volition. Like that's what happened to the Steelers here. Like the Steelers lost the game. The Cardinals didn't win it. And like that, while we've known they're capable of that, I don't really think it changes my mind about much about this team going forward. Yeah, I, you know, I want to talk about the offense specifically for a second here because of Pat Frymuth, what he had to say on it and bringing up, you know, you know, the mental lapses that they've had, just not seeming to be on the same page, even though it's, a, you know, a good amount of the same personnel, you know, and he said, we've had the same formations for three years now, the names of them, it's pretty frustrating when talking about it, but like, so how does that happen? You know, because if it's on the players, but it's been on the players, it's on the players, on the players, on the players, week after week after week, eventually if it's on the players that many times in a row, then it is on the coaching for it being on the players that many weeks in a row. Um, yeah, I mean, yes and no, right? I mean, like, I think, like, so kind of like reading between the lines, what happened there was that they called a play that they did not rep very many times in practice this week. And there was some confusion about where people were supposed to be. And yes, I put that on the coaching staff because the, like in that very specific instance, those players were not prepared for that. Okay. Um, now the other penalty is there was a, a false start on Deontay Johnson, which is just never excusable. And there was one where Connor Hayward wasn't on the line of scrimmage when he needed to be. Those are, those are mm-hmm. penalties where I'm comfortable saying like the players just can't do that. Like no one has ever coached, to to, yeah, to yeah, false sure. start like that, that that's not that's not coaching that's like I always think it's funny that we like categorize a penalized team as being poorly coached because like I can guarantee that no coach has ever been like all right here's what we're gonna do guys ten penalties 150 yards that's the goal for today let's see if we can do, like nobody coaches that and nobody coaches. And, and furthermore, nobody is spending any amount of time in practice to be like, now remember, don't go off sides. Don't fall st- – like, like, there's no part of practice. There's no part of the coaching week that involves not taking penalties that every sixth grader that plays football knows not to take. Like, that never comes up during the practice mm-hmm. week. It is just assumed that a professional is going to know how to stay in their stance 
and not go offside. Like I, and so like some of those things I think are, are on the players. They're definitely in talking to some players seem to have been one concept. I'm guessing it was the play where Jalen Warren came in motion and there was nobody left on the left side of the formation. And me up in the press box was like, you can't do that. Um, like, I think that one, people weren't sure what they were supposed to be doing on that play. And there was a feeling that the players weren't ready to run that play this week for whatever reason. So, I mean, the players just got to wear some of it, but I mean, most of this stuff is detail stuff from professionals that should be able to do it. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, what, what did you make of, uh, obviously, the offense performance we could talk about all day, how poor it was, but they came into this game running for 150 yards at least in four consecutive games. They did not do that yesterday. Najee Harris, 63 yards on the ground. Jalen Warren, 59. Um, what did you, like, do you think they got away from that too early when there was still opportunity? Like, they weren't down by that much where it had to be taken away from their game plan or anything like that. But it, it seemed to be like they just kind of, I don't want to say got away from it. Maybe they weren't as effective in doing so as I would have anticipated. Just weren't very good. Also, Isaac Samala missing the entire second half, of course, wouldn't have helped. Yeah, that didn't help. But I thought they were especially, like, I didn't think the play calling was very good on second and short. They have several second and shorts where they ran the ball on first down for like five, seven, eight yards. And then they threw on second and short and, and didn't complete anything and then didn't convert on third down. And like, I, I feel like if you're, if you're running for seven, there was a time here, they had like five carries for 35 yards, like with running backs, like, but they were punting because they weren't like, I, I, I didn't think the play calling was very good. I, I thought they needed to take those second and threes and get first downs and keep going. And they were instead, you know, calling passes that weren't working. And um, it, it was it was not good. I also thought just in general, when you're bad on third down, you don't get enough chances. Like they didn't possess the ball as well as they did last week. And then they get mm-hmm. down two scores in the second half, and it really becomes kind of untenable to run at that point. You got to throw. So I think it was a combination. But really, I mean, I don't think it was the fault of the running backs or the offensive line. Like, I, th- I feel like they did their job. I-, I felt like the rest of the offense let the running game down. Yeah, 4 of 11 were the Steelers on third down in total yesterday. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a stuff I want to talk about defensively, too. Is there anything else offensively you wanted to talk about? Um, Not injury-related? No, I mean, I think that was I, – I thought – I thought that not, you know, but even before the injury, um, like I, I highlighted a couple of plays on, on Twitter, but man, like the continued, I don't want to call them like, they're not necessarily mistakes, but the, the failed to capitalize on opportunities from Kenny Pickett, frustrating. Like very, like yeah. he's now been injured three times and you can kind of blame him for all three of them. Like he, like you got to get rid of the ball, man. Like you gotta, you gotta make the easy plays when they're there. Calvin Austin wide open in the end zone doesn't hit him. Tries to run, doesn't keep his head up. Linebackers coming from eight yards unabated. Like, man, I know he, he comes up half a yard short. Like it's very easy for me 
in the press box to be critical of a decision that winds up one football short, and if he gets in, probably nobody ever talks about it. But there was a lot wrong with the decision-making process on that play. There's another one, one of those second and threes I was talking about. Alex Kazora tweeted this play. Um, they're in cover two with a deep middle safety. So usually cover two, the linebacker goes up the seam, you know, carries, that's Tampa two, linebacker carries the seam. But they start with Buda Baker kind of right in the middle of the field. So he's like already back there. And Deontay is running like this, this, I don't know, crossing concept, like a, like a post. He is just wide open. And George is double covered from the pre-snap read. There's no reason to be looking really at anybody else. And Deontay doesn't have a guy within five yards of him just standing in the middle of the field, like doing everything but jumping jacks. Kenny doesn't throw the ball. Then Najee leaks out of the, the pass protection and doesn't have a guy within eight yards of him. And Kenny doesn't throw the ball. And he runs for a one-yard gain instead. And, and then they don't get the third and two because of a bad Mason Cole snap. But it's like, oh man, man like you gained a yard, okay? But like you turn down a 20-yarder and, and an eight-yarder and an easy first down on both of them to gain one. Like, I, I just, uh, it's very frustrating to watch. And I think what it really highlighted for me is there is no doubt in my mind that they absolutely must bring in an outside offensive coordinator for this team. And it oh. needs to be someone that can do a better job of getting the most out of Kenny Pickett. If there was a takeaway from that game for me, that was number one, is that it absolutely has to come from outside and get some different eyes on this guy and unlock some of the potential that's there. Kenny Pickett is not a bad quarterback, but he's not playing very well right now. And I think it's very clear to me that the lack of ability of the offensive coaching staff at the quarterback position is is the proximate cause of that. And it, it absolutely needs, needs to be – corrected going into the offseason I don't I don't you know whether it's Byron Leftwich or Pep Hamilton or Daryl Beevil or whoever like it it has to come from out to Kubiak well whichever coaching tree you want to participate in I don't care but they've got to bring in yeah. somebody to do a better job with Kenny Pickett than they're doing right now because whatever they're doing isn't working yeah bringing in an outside offensive coordinator I you know I I uh, second that in terms of also center going into 2024 as well because you mentioned Mason Cole there my goodness I mean I appreciate seems to be you know a, a, type, a leader type along the offensive line he's always willing to talk to you guys in the media win or loss and I appreciate that about him um, but you know at some point you also got to perform on the field as well and I he has not been very good he has not been very good over the last two seasons uh, he, he it's weird because he was okay the last year and playing hurt and i had really like yeah i yep i don't really fault this like okay i think this the the problems with offensive coordinator for the steelers were predictable before this season that we knew that matt canada did not have those kind of quarterback chops and it was reasonable to think that this was going to be a problem and we talked about that a lot i'll give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt with cole because i felt like he was playing hurt last year he was serviceable last year, and there was a reason to think that he could be better this year, and somehow he's turned out to be worse, and I'm not sure what happened or what has caused that, but I think, you know, I, I think that was harder to predict. But I do agree that, that he can't That's, just yeah. go into 2024 as the guy at center. They've got to come up with 
something that approximates a, a plan B. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely did feel like he overachieved in 2022, especially taking <clears throat> into consideration the fact he just played through that foot injury the entire time and didn't miss a beat. Um, defensively, I want to talk about this too, because I, I feel like, you know, we were talking about the offensive line losing Sam Allo and how detrimental that could be to them. You know, on the defensive side, when you lose a Landon Roberts, your third guy that was wearing a green dot for this team, you know, just checking boxes at this point in terms of linebackers that have gone down for them. I mean, they really suffered in the communication aspect of things. It was very easy to see in real time going back and watching it on tape. You could see how many breakdowns there were um, and not just in communication, but man, their run game just totally suffered when he exited that game. Mark Robinson, all credit to him. He was, he was not up to the task yesterday, filling in for Landon Roberts. Yeah. Uh Carissa Thompson said that Shaq Leonard was approached about playing for the Steelers and just was like, heck no. You see what happens to their linebackers. Uh, there's, uh, there's, I think they should have tried to sign Shaq Leonard. Obviously, I'm being facetious about Carissa Thompson making stuff uh... up. Um, but, like, there is no recovery from that level of injury at one position, yeah. especially at a position that is that important in terms of communication. It's like the equivalent of playing a game with your fourth string quarterback on offense. Like it's really almost the same thing. And like Mark Robinson is not like the, the thing is, is that, you know, the linebacker, you have so many different kinds of linebackers, right? And I think Elandon Roberts, very specifically, when you look at that kind of game and you're like, well, how do you deal with James Conner? Oh, well, 50 is how you deal with James Conner. Like, James Conner's a bully. He's a big, strong, tough running back. You need a bigger bully. And and Elandon Roberts is that bigger bully. And without him, I mean, the other two guys are just not – I mean, Mark Robinson is as fit as a person can be, but he is – easy 30 pounds lighter than Landon Roberts. Like, it is just not the same body type out there. Like, you can't expect him to do the same kinds of things. And the Steelers don't have anybody. Like, Blake Martinez maybe is a little bit bigger. But, like, mm-hmm. yikes. Like, this is a problem. And I'm not quite sure how it's a problem that's going to get solved if Roberts is going to miss significant time. Now, um, Mike Tomlin said that he's questionable this week which is a lot better than I would have figured. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe if he only misses one game, it's not a catastrophe, but uh, it's certainly not good. And I think there was some trickle down, not only in the run, but in the way they were attempting to defend Trey McBride uh, oh was goodness. hurt because then you have Michael Walker trying to do two things, right? Like you, you are now both responsible for coverage and, are the bigger of our two linebackers and have to do like it, it put a lot of stress on a guy that is he's given it his all, but man, he is not a star player. Like it is not reasonable to expect him to be able to do all that. And I think it showed. I don't know how much time we've spent last week talking about Trey McBride between me on here with you. And then when Nick came on Friday, we talked about him a lot talking about, you know, how do you match up with him? He's been an emerging player for them for a couple of weeks. Then he goes out and has a performance like that. Very clearly the focal point of their passing game. Um, 
man, like I, I don't even know who the primary defense was, was Walker, the primary defender on most of his catches or cause I, you know, we talked about this, like Trenton Thompson to me would have been the guy to try to neutralize him to some degree. And I don't know. I didn't go back and look. I haven't gone back and looked to see who was the primary defender on most of his targets. Felt to me live, mostly Walker. I didn't specifically chart that, but um, it was a lot of Walker. That's for sure. Somebody said like, I can't. Somebody said in one of my comments, like, "Oh, he had five tackles." Like they were ten yards downfield. It's not the good kind of tackle. Like t- um, tackles man. when it was the guy you, you were covering and you're like, you know, you know, marking off first downs. Those aren't the good kind of tackles. Um, pretty tough game for Walker, and it seemed like they went right at him after Roberts was injured too. It was like a, a switch flipped where they knew, oh, okay, now we we can take advantage of this in a way that we weren't before. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Uh, the one thing that I did want to talk about positively on the defensive side, uh, we had a little bit of conversation about this on X earlier today. Was Keanu Benton? Man, I just he he only played like twenty some snaps in this game, but I, I thought was their best player, uh, not just on defense, but obviously in general. There was nobody really on offense to talk about, so was their best player on the field yesterday. Um, just continues to emerge, and man, what an impressive game he had once again in this one. I put on Twitter during the game, one man wrecking crew. That's, that's what I feel about him. Like he is just out there messing stuff up all by himself. Just a big freaky athlete that's in the way a ton. And man, like, so he had two, two sequence for me that really stood out. The first was the first two play of the game plays of the game where he's in the backfield disrupting a run play. And then he's on like, I think there's maybe like a little bit of a twist or something, or he's over in, you know, off to the quarterback side, gets his hands up, knocks down a pass. And then I think maybe it was in the third quarter where he blow up a run play so badly that he pushed his offensive lineman into Kyler Murray before he could hand the ball off, forcing a fumble. That's mm-hmm. like some Aaron Donald stuff right there. Like that is like a, and he ends up with an oblique injury coming out of this game, and I think that's why I was a little bit limited yeah. down the stretch in terms of his snap count. But, man, um, Mon Adams is coming back, and I'm not sure what he's coming back to. Like, I I would have a very hard time outside of his health taking any snaps away from Keanu Benton right now. Yeah, I agree. I, that was confusing to me until obviously getting the word about the oblique injury because he only played two more snaps than Armin Watts in this one. <coughs> um, you know, I get, you know, that you can utilize guys in different ways and stuff, but still, when you looked at the defensive line rotation there, that was a little bit confusing to me on the surface. So the oblique injury makes sense, but that's a good point, too. You know, I love the idea of Monty Adams coming back more than merrier. They need the healthy, all the healthy bodies they can get. And he's been really good this year prior to his injury. But yeah, with how good. Keanu Benton has been with him being, you know, this rookie that you've invested so much into the way that he's playing. You just want to continue to see that body of work grow. So you would hate to be it, see it be, you know, his snaps be the ones to decrease here. I don't think the Steelers would do that, uh, you know, again, unless injury is going to play a role into his availability for Thursday night. Yeah, and it probably will. I mean, if you're injured and it's a short week, you're probably sure. going to stay injured. Like you don't don't get healthy in two days. Um so I assume that you'll be looking at a similar workload for Benton and probably Adams taking that that snap count from Watts. Although I thought Watts and Isaiah Loudermilk both played pretty well in that game. Like I, yeah, Loudermilk had like 19 snaps. Considering the number of defensive yards they or rushing yards they gave up, I did not think the defensive front played poorly. It was mostly about getting Connor against little guys 
and Arizona taking advantage of that mismatch. Yeah, I would agree. I thought the same thing. Walk about, you know, we've talked about obviously their run game. I mean, I don't know how many times I've watched Mark Robinson. I don't want to keep, you know, beating a dead horse here, but him get blown up by these guys getting to the second level um, just wasn't good. Was there anything else on the defensive side of the football you wanted to touch on? Yeah, a couple penalties that I thought were just not very smartly taken by this defense, and I felt like needed to be pointed out. And Landon Roberts with a absolutely, I mean, like one of the hardest hits you're going to see in football these days yeah. on Demarcado, and you know, the the tip happened. You know, the the, the the plays in front of him. It's not like you didn't see that the pass was incomplete. You, you could see that it was a defenseless receiver. Um, I'm from the age where I used to love that hit, but you you got to know that's a penalty now, and it gave him three points, a first down and three points on that one, and then. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., we've seen the grabbiness be an issue with him. And, you know, this is a third down play in the red zone. Kyler Murray is running for his life at full speed, probably has his eyes closed because T.J. Watt is about to kill him and is just throwing at anything that looks like it's vaguely white at this point. And Joey Porter was like, he's just like tackle him. Like, I, I don't – like, you can't – you can get away with some pass interference, but not like that. Like, and it's kind of like – that's a very low percentage pass. Like, what are the odds that the Cardinals were going to complete Murray at a dead sprint, throwing as hard as he can, you know, to a guy who just had to change directions in the back? Like, man, if they're going to beat you with that, you got to let them beat you with it. Like, don't don't give them a free first down at the one-yard line. Like, I thought those two penalties were really just like – like, it was not a bad overall day for the defense, I didn't think. Like, they didn't they didn't get gashed. There was one drive where they were still kind of reeling from the Roberts injury and did not have their stuff together on that 99-yarder. But then other than that, like, you know, it's a short field because of the turnover, bad penalty by Porter, seven instead of three, bad penalty by Roberts, three instead of a punt. Like, it did not take very many plays for the Cardinals to earn those points. Like, you can see sort of exactly where they were, and it's really only – one or two things here and there. And again, I feel like most of them were self-inflicted wounds by the Steelers as opposed to some sort of great play or or X's and O's dominance by the Cardinals that would really have me worried going forward. You put another thing in my mind here that I want to bring up before we get out of here. Actually, two things I want to bring up because you mentioned the penalties and that took me <coughs> to the special teams play over the last couple of weeks, especially like Miles Kilber with a couple penalties in this one, but the defense too, I wanted to bring up um, because it seems like, like you mentioned, I don't think that they were bad, but what is it about the end of half defense? Like whether it's the second quarter or the fourth quarter. And I don't know if this is actually like if, if stats will back it up, but just seeming to me to the eye test, it seems like they're a little bit lax at the end of the second quarter and at the end of the fourth quarter. And they give up a little bit too much. Hmm. I hadn't noticed that. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the second quarter in this game, like they were just – they were dealing with an injury that they were not prepared to deal with. And while you kind of have to be yeah. prepared, like at some point – like TJ Watt – and I give TJ a lot of credit for talking to the media after every game, good or bad. Mm-hmm. TJ is not uh, the most loquacious person in the world, let's say that, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um and he, uh, I asked him, you know, kind of, it's a hard question, man. Like, why, why, how do you deal with 
another injury a linebacker and he was like you know like look there's only so many reps to go around in practice like it's not realistic to have everyone prepared to do everything like you just can't do it like there's there's there is a limit to how ready you can be and the Steelers exceeded that limit on that drop and then I thought they kind of figured it out afterwards um I was a little disappointed in their ability to deal with James Conner at the end of the game but really I mean it was pretty much over by then anyway like I felt yeah, like that yeah. was that was the big issue there and they got it figured out after that it's not like McBride kept beating them all the whole rest of the second half it was mostly just that drive and then they got things kind of squared away but it was too late uh, and then, yeah, real quickly, I wanted your thoughts on the the special teams play as of late. Obviously, you had Miles Killebrew with three penalties in this one, um, but I just don't think they've been very good as of late anyway. Like penalties I mean, aside, wasn't going to be perfect, but what a bad yeah. time to miss a field goal! Like so many just things that you're like, well, that's not going to happen again. Happened in this game. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that Miles Killebrew is not going to have three special team penalties in the game probably ever again as long as he lives. Like that's like I, 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 I'll throw yeah. that out there. Like Boz doesn't miss too many field goals that start with a four like that that almost never happens even in the rain in the open at, at, at agriculture like he just doesn't miss those and he did and i i don't think the steelers special teams have been near good enough this year and i think it's been a multi-phase problem and i think they have too many players that are only on this team for special teams to be that bad at special teams. There are some NFL teams out there that have a different philosophy when it comes to special teams, and they just throw young guys to the wolves, and they're like, we don't care. Like, just figure it out. You're here because we like you as a linebacker or a running back or a tight end or whatever, but we need you to make this happen, so go make it happen. The Steelers have guys that are core special teamers that are supposed to be specialists, and Miles Killebrew, chiefly among them, who does basically nothing on defense, even when there's multiple injuries in his position, does basically nothing on defense. You can't have guys like that be negative. You can't have Miles Boykin with his heels on the end line downing a punt. You can't have uh, Miles Killebrew with three pounds. Like those things cannot happen for those guys. If you're, uh, you know, if you're Broder Jones and you're a first-round pick and you happen to be on the field goal block team because you're not playing, mm-hmm. you you can make a you can make an error on special teams. Those guys can't make those mistakes, and uh, it's 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 not just a one-game problem at this point. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I, I feel like it's been a stretch of bad play for that special teams unit as We're a whole. We're at 30 minutes here, but we did not talk about Kenny Pickett's injury yet, so I feel no, like we I probably need to do that. Yeah. I'm very interested to see what really changes with this offense without him because my gut instinct is it's not going to be very much. Nope. We had this conversation when we thought he was going to miss time, like miss more time than he did with that knee injury. And uh, basically what I felt was, you know, in the short term, you're probably not losing much going from Kenny to Mitch and the offense will probably operate the same way. But what you are losing is your ability to evaluate him and try to get some answers as to whether or not he's the guy, you know, this whole thing with, with moving on from Canada was what is Kenny going to look like outside of him? Well, the body of work so far is about six quarters. So not even that, um, you know, how do you go into this offseason again like this is something that the fans are probably doing more than the organization in terms of deciding whether or not uh you know he was going to be the guy for at least next season but 
it just it changes the evaluation timeline that you had because you don't have at least a couple more games now to get an answer to this. It's taking away an opportunity for him to fix it, right? Yeah. Like it, it, can yes. He yes. An opportunity to fix it, to get better, to show that he can improve, and it's taking that opportunity away from him. But I don't think it's going to hurt the team much. Um, Trubisky needs to t- turn down the turnovers. He's got four or uh, three in about. 10% of picket snaps and picket only has four. That's not a very good ratio. Um, I, I would like to see him figure out a way to not turn the ball over, but just in terms of like throwing the football and running the offense, I think they're going to be fine. I'm not, especially considering the opponents the next three weeks. Yeah. Like they can win all these games of Mitch Trubisky. I don't, I don't I think agree. it really changes much in my short-term outlook here. And I 100% agree. So that would be interesting. Uh, we mentioned the same model. We mentioned the Landon Roberts <coughs> monitor Keanu Benton. Um, maybe we have more information on this, you know, stuff tomorrow because they put out obviously a sim practice report like they have to do, but they didn't actually practice today. So, you know, we'll see as the week goes on. Very short week goes on. Yeah. We'll see. Other than that, Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At a Saunders underscore PGH on XPGH Steelers now, sites account SteelersNow.com. I can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Let's get those subs keep going. And uh, that's it. There we go. Yep. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here so you know when we post a new episode or any content is posted to the channel. Comment down below. Oh, uh, yeah. Pat Frymuth, he's up there. One video up on the on the channel. Oh, yeah. Check, that video check I mentioned. That out. It's, 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 uh, it's worth your one minute of time because it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, as somebody that's watched it, I would have to agree. Yes, you should go watch it. Uh, 10,420 subscribers as of right now. I know uh, there will be a certain subset of people that appreciate that 420 aspect of that number. Um, I'm Zachary Smith, PGH, for Alan Saunders and myself. Thanks for jumping in with us and taking another ride on the Steelers afternoon drop. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 